From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The Juneau School District has confirmed that students were served a chemical rather than milk at Glacier Valley Elementary School yesterday. On Tuesday at around 8 a.m., there was an inc incident at the elementary school where rally students were served floor sealer instead of milk. During the Juneau School Board's meeting last evening, Superintendent Dr. Bridget Weiss said there were 12 students who ingested the sealer. Uh, we have uh, narrowed the um, impact down to 12 students uh, who unfortunately did ingest uh, a, a bit of floor sealant. Uh, it was uh, confused for milk. Why well, spoke to the district's response? What we were able to do was immediately uh, we solicited the support of poison control. Uh, we notified uh, the families. There were 12 students uh, and two adults who um, who sipped the the sealant. Um, we are doing a full investigation. Uh, we are using JPD to do that, and that is transpiring literally as we speak so that we can understand exactly what happened, how it happened. We obviously need to make sure that it doesn't happen again and and how it happened uh, so that we can um, ensure that. Juneau Police Department Lieutenant Craig Campbell has stated that officers are investigating the incident, and although JPD is investigating, there isn't information that would show it is a criminal matter at this time. Weiss said the investigation is ongoing. In other matters, the Juneau School Board has moved to rename Riverbend Elementary to Coxtaguin, or going back to Clearwater, a clinket name gifted to the school. The agenda called for the board to first accept the gifted name and then take up the question of whether to rename Riverbend. School principal Elizabeth Pysel Davis spoke to the name. She referred to comments made during the Native Education Advisory Council's meeting on the matter. In the words of some of the members of this important group, quote, this is the name that the area has always been known by, and so it is a landmark name for the school. And, quote, it is a powerful name. It should be celebrated and will be brought back to life by all of us speaking it. I know that there have been some concerns about the pronunciation. And as one student says, don't worry, just say it with your heart. The board had first unanimously voted to accept the gifted name. The next motion called for officially changing the school's name. A concern was raised that there was no board policy on changing school names, as raised by board member Brian Holst. We don't have a policy about name changes or receiving gifts of names or, or how these names are to be used. And I, I think we should have a policy about how we go about this. It is it's happened um, and we the board has accepted um, the gifts. This is the first time that we've been now asked to not only accept the gift, but then have the gift replace the original name. And I, well, that may be the, the where we should end up um, eventually. It concerns me that we would do that without a policy. Holst says having a policy would help determine future procedures on changing names. I am just advocating at the moment right now for us to slow down and put together a policy. And then once the policy is in place about what we do when we are gifted names, how we go about changing names, 
so that we can deal with this and anticipate this type of scenario occurring again. During public comment, support for the name change was voiced. Former school board member Sally Rue. Something that I'm really proud of is um, that we uh, bestowed the name Santa Kahini on the new middle school way back in the 90s. Um, and that, that's something that I look back on with with um, with pride, and um, it makes me feel good. So I hope that you'll all look back on this um, decision tonight the same way. The board voted unanimously to approve the name change. According to the district administration, this means students, parents, staff, tribal organizations, and the state will be notified of the change. The City and Borough of Juneau Planning Commission, despite no quorum, discussed a conditional use permit for a 45,000-square-foot medical office building for search in the valley. What is being offered are conditions that builders install perimeter sidewalks on site to connect the existing sidewalk network and the installation of covered or enclosed bike racks. Greg Knight reports. Search is seeking to develop the 45,000-square-foot three-story medical office building in the light commercial zoning district. The proposed development is on Vintage Boulevard just north of Safeway, south of the Mendenhall Valley Post Office and within 500 feet of Trillium Landing. The project site is within walking distance to transit, including the new Valley Transit Center. The project is an outpatient medical office building with services including primary and urgent care, pediatrics lab, imaging, behavioral health, optometry, and dental care on three floors. The site includes 197 parking spaces. That's Greg Knight reporting. Due to the lack of quorum, the commission will take up the action on the remand of the Glory Hall's new development of 247 South Franklin at their next meeting. Clinton and Haida is looking to provide a welcoming environment to the participants in the re-entry and recovery program. A donation drive for essential items will be held on Saturday, June 18th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the parking lot of 6205 Alloway Avenue in Juneau. Donation items needed include twin comforters, twin sheet sets, plastic laundry baskets, towels, pillows, mattress covers, and washcloths. Monetary donations are also welcome. Retired Alaska Chief Justice Bud Carpenetti spoke on Capitol Chat with Dano about the Alliance, a Juno organization working to make a new Capitol Civic Center complex a reality. Carpenetti explained what the Alliance is. The Alliance is a, <clears throat> a, a group of uh, essentially three organizations, the Chamber of Commerce, Travel Juno, uh, and the Juno Arts and Humanities Council. I guess if we're being technical, there's a fourth, which is the partnership, which is a group that uh, Arts and Humanities Council created about 10 years ago to get the Juno Arts and Culture Center, the new Juno Arts and Culture Center built, what was called the New Jack. A um, couple of years ago, the... Um, Chamber of Commerce and Travel Juno came to us and said, look, we want to get Centennial Hall upgraded properly, and you folks want to get uh, uh, an arts and culture center built, which you've been trying to do for a long time. We really need to join forces and upgrade Centennial Hall and get the performing arts and culture part built. So that's that's what we're doing. Carpenetti says the complex is in an intense cost estimation and project-shaping phase. It's been a long project with a lot of twists and turns. We're currently uh, looking at uh, designs that have been put together uh, over the last couple of years 
since uh, this alliance was formed and trying to get a good estimate of the costs and trying to figure out what we have to have in this uh, project and uh, uh, what we don't have to have, even though there might be things that we would like to have. So it's in a kind of an intensive uh, reshaping process right now uh, with all of these uh, folks working together uh, at uh, coming up with uh, the the actual design, the final design, and costing it out. And the location would be on the same footprint as the current Centennial Hall in Jack. The location would be where Centennial Hall is now. Much of the work would be upgrading it uh, as uh, Travel Juno and the Chamber and other uh, groups have wanted to have done for years. And then bringing in the uh, arts and culture side, and that would be where the the Jack is right now, right next to the uh, Centennial Hall. So the project is would be located where the Centennial Hall and the uh, and the, the current Jack uh, is. Carpinetti says more than just arts would be enhanced by the complex. It's not just arts. It's the Capital Civic Center. So it would have great, uh, hugely upgraded convention facilities for drawing in large groups. It would um, <clears throat> be redesigned so that uh, both sides could kind of help each other. Uh, it would be able to handle multiple events at one time. So it would be a... A putting together of the of these two important functions. Carpinetti says the timeline to actually begin building is uncertain right now. I'm a volunteer to this project. I retired from the bench in 2013, and a friend said, this is a great project. And at that time, it was just the new Jack. It's a great project, and uh, come on in and help us for a few years. And I said, I don't really know anything about this sort of thing, but I'd be happy to try to help. And that was 2014. It's now 2022. So if you're asking me for a timeline, I'm, <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask. And after Dano posed a question about funding the project, Carpinetti revealed major participation by the Cruise Line International Association. We've reached an agreement with the city and uh, CLIA, uh, Cruise Line Industry Association, CLIA Alaska of yeah, Alaska. They're big, they're, they're big fans of the show. We have them on here all the time. Great. And uh, uh, there's an agreement between the city and CLIA that uh, $10 million from a marine, property, a marine passenger tax could be used. Um, and there are... Um, uh, foundations that we've been talking to that have given us indications that once we reach the target goal, otherwise they will come in with uh, amounts. So there are a lot of sources to the, uh, to, a lot of pieces to the puzzle. That was Bud Carpinetti appearing on Capital Chat. A small airplane that had run out of fuel made an emergency landing Monday evening in a commercial area neighboring downtown Anchorage. The plane landed safely on a street and pulled into a nearby parking lot. The Anchorage Daily News reports that once it was refueled, the plane taxied to the nearby small airplane airport under police escort. The plane had a flight instructor and a student pilot on board. Neither were injured. The plane was not damaged in the landing. Authorities said the Cessna 150 was attempting to return to the airport when it ran out of fuel. An Anchorage grand jury has returned an indictment charging 40-year-old Caleb Elias Irwin with two counts of second-degree murder and one count of manslaughter for the stabbing that killed 27-year-old Breer Dixon on June 3rd. Irwin is in custody of the Department of Corrections. His bail is set at $250,000 cash performance, $150,000 unsecured appearance plus conditions of release. He faces up to 99 years for the second-degree murder charges and up to 20 years for the manslaughter charge. He is scheduled to be arraigned before the Superior Court in Anchorage today. Lahuna City Council met in open session Tuesday. Council member and Vice Mayor Stan Savland says police 
Chief Eric Hurtado should be offered a new contract soon. Savlan says the chief is well-liked in the community. There's a lot of community support for the chief. He's, he's, he's well-integrated into the community, it, it appears. Um, having uh, long discussions with that and listening to a lot of people online, uh, everybody spoke in favor. Um, we are working with, uh, I think we have something, a new contract for the chief. Savland also says a new form of government may be on the ballot soon for the city. We discussed form of government for the city Huna, uh, putting on the putting on the ballot to change to a city manager style, and and Dennis uh, brought us up to date. Uh, we're moving forward with formation of the <laughs> still, and if we're doing that is basically the same for uh, borough. Formation is going to be the same as similar to having a manager run city, except it's going to be a bit more complex being that we're incorporating a larger landmass and possibly more communities to our, to govern. So it's, it's something that we really have to um, think seriously about when we, when we really, when we move forward with this. That was Huna Vice Mayor Stan Savland. The commissioner of Alaska's Department of Natural Resources is resigning to spend more time with family. Governor Mike Dunleavy's office made the announcement yesterday. Dunleavy had announced Corey Faggy as his pick to lead the department shortly after his election in 2018. She has been in that role throughout the, his term. Dunleavy's office says an interim commissioner will be appointed by the end of the month. Faggy's last day will be June 30th. Dunleavy's office said the governor accepted Faggy's resignation regretfully. Meanwhile, Governor Dunleavy has announced the appointment of Gabrielle Ellie Rubenstein to the Alaska Permanent Fund Corporation Board of Trustees. Rubenstein will take the seat of William Bill Moran, who is retiring for the board after 16 years and will serve a four-year term beginning July 1st. Rubenstein's family first moved to Alaska in 2001 and has been a resident of the state for the last decade. She has a background in investments and philanthropy, as well as being an avid angler, hunter, and pilot. Rubenstein earned her bachelor's degree in sociology from Harvard University, her master's degree in agriculture economics from Purdue, and her MBA from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. Coer Alaska has announced that Stephen Ball has been officially appointed as the company's general manager. Ball has been serving as Coer Alaska's interim general manager since late April. Ball joined Kensington in November of 2017 as Core Alaska's Technical Services Manager. The Alaska Sea Life Center admitted two newborn harbor seal pups to the Wildlife Response Program this month. The center's wildlife response team received a call on their 24-hour stranding hotline reporting an abandoned and skinny harbor seal pup on the beach in Kasseloff. According to a release, based on the female pup's emaciated body condition, the team decided she needed immediate help. While the team was preparing to pick up this pup, the original caller from Kasseloff spotted an additional seal pup on the beach, this one a male. The male pup was also abandoned and in poor body condition. After receiving National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration approval, both pups were transported to the Alaska Sea Life Center for treatment. The team is currently providing initial stabilization treatments and examining both patients further to understand the severity of the animal's conditions. Never miss a story or a newscast at KEINYradio.com.
Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.